Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today we are continuing our series, Monster. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. And today, we had actually planned to do a fourth monster. Uh, there's all sorts of monsters you can choose from. We could talk about jealousy, how we envy people and we really want their life because we believe that God owes us something. Or we could talk about lust and struggle with that, that desire inside of our heart. We could talk about all sorts of different monsters, but I really felt like it was important to kind of pause for a moment, step back and remember what, what this is all about. That this is really all about our heart. That the source of all of this is something very simple but very profound. So we're going to conclude today by just examining our heart. We're going to have a time at the end. Maybe you didn't get a chance to respond or maybe you were nervous because you didn't want to respond on a specific issue. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end where uh, we just, we lay our hearts before God. We ask Him to examine us. And as Scripture says, we ask the Spirit to examine us. And if there's any deceitful or any, uh, anything in our hearts that displeases Him, to let us know, to reveal that to us. And so we're going to have that moment, that, that opportunity at the end of our service. But before we jump into uh, Scripture today, let's pray and just ask that God would uh, would be with us, that, that you would hear what you need to hear this morning. Uh, it may be something I say, it may not be something I say at all. Maybe God speaks to you directly in your situation this morning. So let's pray together. God, we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf that we didn't deserve, that we can never pay back. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is here with us today. I pray that he does what you said he would do, that he would convict us of our sins this morning. That he would comfort those who are in need. That he would counsel and guide and direct and lead into all truth. Lord, I pray that our ears would be open to your word. That I would speak and say only what you would have me speak and say. We also pray this morning, God, for the cults. They're struggling right now. Would you bless them? Help them win. Just one. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? They're, they're, they're struggling, so I thought we'd throw that in there too. Um, do you know that every relational struggle that you go through in life can be traced back and can be narrowed down to one driving force? Every relational conflict, every marriage problem, every personnel problem in the office, Every instance of guilt and anger and greed that we've talked about. Every frustration and aggravating moment that you've had at school. Everyone can be traced down to one common thing. One driving force. And you may think that's pretty simple. That's maybe oversimplifying a very complex issue. But I don't think so. Not, not only do I not think so, the idea doesn't actually even originate with me. There's a guy that lived about 2,000 years ago. His name was James. He wrote a book, self-titled. It's 
It's also called James. He had pretty good credentials. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But not only that, he was the half-brother of the guy who ended up being the son of God. So he's, he, he, he's got pretty good company. He probably had a few conversations with his half-brother. And he says this in the fourth chapter of his self-titled book of James. He asks a question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes them? Now, if you're like me, the answer would seem to be pretty varied. You know, if James asked me, you know, what causes quarrels and fights in your life, Josh? I would say, which fight are you talking about, James? I've got plenty of them going on. Why don't you tell me which conflict you want me to reply to? Which fight? That's a really vague question. But if we keep on going the next half of that verse, he starts zeroing in on the common denominator for every relational struggle and every relational conflict that we experience. See, the first part of the verse is what causes fights and quarrels among you. Then he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You see, According to James, all of the external conflicts and, and fights and quarrels and disagreements, all of the external struggles that we experience can really be tied to an internal conflict that's going on inside of our heart. That everything that you experience on the outside, all the conflicts and, and disagreements and struggles really boils down to this internal conflict of desires that's battling itself out in our heart. The word desires basically means pleasures or things that you're seeking after. There's these things inside that you're seeking to, to be fulfilled and they're conflicting with each other and that causes quarrels and fights. You see, according to James, the conflicting desires that are inside of me when you get too close to me and you bump into me too hard, they spill out. They spill outside of my heart and they land on you. You ever heard the, the analogy of the saying that we hurt the people we love the most? Everybody's familiar with that saying. Everyone wondered why. Why is that true? Because really it is true. We often do end up hurting the people we love the most. Well, according to James, it's true because they're in closest proximity to us. They're the ones bumping around and knocking into us more often, so they're going to get more spilled out on them. He says that there are these desires that are battling inside of us. You see, the common denominator, the thing that ties all of your relational conflicts together, the thing that ties all of my relational struggles and all of my disagreements and all the conflicts together, the common denominator is me. Common denominator for all of your relational struggles and battles and difficulties is you. We are at the source of every conflict that we experience. What is the cause of this internal struggle? Why? What is going on in us that creates this? this and five that James is talking about. What's going on? Let's keep reading in verse 
2, you see verse 1, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And then in verse 2, he begins by saying, You desire, but do not have. So what's going on inside of us that's spilling out onto other people? We want something and we can't get it. There's something inside that we're longing for, that we're wanting, and we can't find resolution. That's the source of every conflict that you experience. We can't get what we want. We can't have our way. This is incredibly simple. You can't get what you want. There are desires that you're trying to get fulfilled, and it's not happening. It's the source of all the quarrels and conflicts that we experience. You see, it doesn't take um, a genius in child psychology to figure this out. I've got two kids, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. They're brothers. When I walk into a room and they're fighting over a toy, something instinctively automatically tells me this isn't really about the toy. This isn't really about the DVD they want to watch. This isn't really about the little figurine. That both, this isn't really about the little Batman they both want to hold. This is really about one child is preventing the other child from getting his way. He wants something and he's not getting it. So James continues in verse 2. He says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You might be thinking that kill is hyperbole. Isn't that an exaggeration, Pastor Josh? Probably so. You know what? I've watched enough crime shows, though, to know something. I watch Criminal Minds and CSI and Law and Order SVU and any of those spinoffs that all of those shows have created. And one of the things you realize is that when a, a murder takes place, the number one suspect is somebody that's close. It's a personal relationship exists, that exists. That's who they always suspect first. They interview the family. They interview the friends. They interview the co-workers. Why? Because they realize that even murder is perpetrated by somebody who wants something. And they're not getting it. So like James said, we kill or we covet. We pursue with an intensity, a, a hotness, a, a passionate pursuit. We covet. We constantly try to meet a need, but it can never seem to be met. You're thinking, aren't there times that I get exactly what I want? I don't think so. I don't think that's even what James is talking about. I think James is trying to hit at those desires that lie beneath the surface. Those desires that lie in the heart. Think of, think of your appetite for food. Now today you might leave this worship experience and go home and go to a restaurant or Eat. Most of you will probably eat lunch after this. 
Now you might eat too much. You might eat so much that you can't even think about food again. You might eat so much that you make the joke, you're going to have to roll me out of here, right? Thanksgiving's coming up in about a month. We're going to feast ourselves. We're going to absolutely gorge ourselves on turkey and dressing and sweet potatoes. And it's going to be good. And some of you right now are hungry. You're like, shut up. I skipped breakfast this morning. But here's the thing, today after you eat your two big lunch and you leave wherever you're at feeling full and completely stuffed, in about five or six hours at the most, you're going to be hungry again. You're going to completely eat enough to feed a, a, a family for a week on Thanksgiving. Yet later that day, you're going to go back for seconds. Why? Because you can't fully and finally satisfy your appetite for food. It's not possible. You see, there are these desires that are inside of our heart, this, this desire for stuff or, or money or recognition or success or progress or intimacy or sex or fun or relationship or partnership. There's all sorts of desires that are in our heart. And we try to get them fulfilled and try to find satisfaction. We try to find a final fulfillment. But the thing about appetites, the thing about monsters, the more you feed them, the more they grow. If you have power, you want more power. If you have wealth, you want more wealth. If you or a man or a woman, and you jump from partner to partner, you never find satisfaction in any of them. See, the point is that our desires and pleasures, our appetites, these monsters that are feeding on our heart are not best dealt with by continually trying to satisfy them. They're not dealt with by continually trying to feed them and fulfill the hunger that they create. See, just the attempt to satisfy them fuels the conflicts in our lives. The attempt to satisfy one of those desires actually is what creates the conflict. It's what creates the quarrel. It's what creates the fight. See, remember, the issue in every quarrel is what? We want to get our way. You know, owning that. Owning that. That one truth, if you can own that, makes a huge difference. To see, until I own my share of the problem, until I admit that part of this is on my shoulders, that I want to get what I want, until I can do that, I'll always have the tendency to blame somebody else. And blaming never solved anything. See, blaming is just another way to feed the problem. Blaming is just another way to feed the conflict. But until we face this truth, blaming is our only option. You know what blaming is? Blaming is an admission that I can't be happy without your cooperation. When we blame somebody else, we're basically saying, I can't find joy, I can't find fulfillment, I can't find satisfaction without your cooperation. Blaming acknowledges dependence. If 
you don't act a certain way, I can't be satisfied. Now, the ultimate conclusion, the ultimate logic of this line of thinking is that there is no happiness outside of absolute control being established over everyone on the planet. And that includes the people in your lane, both lanes next to you, and the crazy people that operate the bridges around here. You go up and... I promise, there's a bridge right next to where I live. I thought for the longest time it went up at the top of the hour. The other day it was up at like 20 till the hour. It was up at like 2.40. This is not right. Is there a schedule that these things work on? Find out, hey, they're closing the high-rise bridge for three hours every Sunday morning. All right. It's awesome. You see, we try to squeeze our happiness out of the people around us. We try to search for someone who can finally and fully meet our needs and satisfy us. When they let us down, when that, when that desire is not fulfilled, we have conflict. The monster comes out. So what is the solution? See, James doesn't leave us hanging. He continues in verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. What do we do with those desires, those appetites, those things that are in our heart, this longing, this, this desire for satisfaction, for fulfillment? What do we do with that stuff? James says, you take them to the Creator. You do not have because you do not ask God. We're asking the wrong person. So what James tells us, we're asking the, who created those desires and appetites that you have on the inside. Did your sister create them? Did your spouse create them? Your boss create them? Your best friend create them? No. God is the source. So as you're trying to find acceptance or you're, you're trying to find fulfillment in your career, you're trying to find appro approval. We look for those things from other people, but the source of that is God, and He's the only one who can bring any satisfaction. Now, I know what you're thinking, because you're probably thinking the typical answer. When I tell somebody that, you know, you really just need to take that to God. They say, I did that already. Which typically means I prayed about it. Which actually means when you get below the surface, I pray that God will change so-and-so's heart so that they give me what I want. That's what it means. I did that already, Pastor Josh. I pray that God would change my brother's heart so he'll finally give me what I want. I think this is what James is talking about. You see, James is telling us that we have permission to pour out our hearts in unfiltered conversation with God. Peter echoes this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, when he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So I said before, all means all. Every fear, every frustration, every unmet need, every unmet desire. You know what? You don't have to begin with God, I know I shouldn't feel this way, but, and you don't have to begin with, God, I know this may sound petty, but, and you don't have to begin this way by saying, God, I know that in the grand scheme of things, this isn't really important, but.
But James and Peter just say, throw it all on him. Dump it all on him because he cares for you. And if it's important to you, it's important to him because you're important to him. So just dump it all on him. Every concern matters to the Father because you matter to the Father. Your love life matters to the Father. Your career, your marriage, your parents, your children, your finances, your education, your appearance, all of the things that you think you are and all of the things that you think you're not, they all matter to him because you matter to him. And he just wants you to unload it all. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your fears and frustrations. Lay it before him and keep bringing it to him until you find the peace to get up off of your knees and the confidence to go in the knowledge that he cares for you. See, having acknowledged that I'm not getting my way. And then going to the place of dumping all of that anxiety on him. Giving him all of that stuff becomes a lot easier to deal with people. Because you're not asking them to meet a need that only God can meet. They can simply be. You're not trying to squeeze happiness out of them. Now I love that verse. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. I do not like verse 3. See, verse 3 continues the thought. And he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I used to think of that as God's out clause. And I used to think that was a bad thing. But as I've grown and matured, I've begun to see that that's not the bad thing. You may, you may dump all of that in front of God and God may say no. Now, when I was a teenager, that was a real disappointment because I was asking for a lot of stuff. You know, if God would have given me everything I asked for as a teenager, for starters, I would have driven a Dodge Viper to school every day. I would have not ridden the bus. I'm going to pull it up in my red Dodge Viper and probably in a couple months, kill myself. I don't know how to handle something like that. See, the reality of it is, if God gave you and I everything that we ask for right when we ask for it, our life would be in tatters in just a few weeks. Our desires would ruin us. And God loves us too much to give us everything we ask for. In fact, God loves the people around you too much to give you everything you ask for. But here's the catch. He still wants us to ask. What's the point? If we don't have a guarantee on this thing, what's the point of asking God? If we don't know that he's going to come through for us, what's the point of asking him? Because God wants us to know him as the source of all good things. And when he says no, to trust him. Now, granted, it would be a lot easier if God actually came out and said no. Most of the time, the thing you ask for just doesn't happen. Things don't change. The situation stays the same. But like a father who refuses to finance his little girl's crazy college party ways, God refuses to finance our 
self-destructive search for meaning outside of him. See, James tells us that when we ask, sometimes we ask with wrong motives. Because we're trying to find fulfillment outside of God. So God says, no. You don't find meaning and fulfillment outside of him. But he still wants us to ask. Because God is the source of all good things. Not wished for. I wished for a lot of stuff as a kid. I wished for a lot of stuff as an adult. Sometimes God says no. But he still wants us to ask. He still wants us to lean on him. He still wants us to depend and cry. He still wants us to learn to take no for an answer instead of taking matters into our own hands. And trying to make happen what he has said no to. You know, all of this echoes back to a verse in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. The psalmist says, To delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, there's one line of interpretation that says that if you do what God tells you, if you delight yourself in him, you follow his commands and his rules, and you live life according to the way, then you, whatever you ask, he'll give it to you. You just have whatever you want. Sure. You see, when I read that, what I what I hear going on is delight yourself in the Lord. Bring all of your care to Him. Worship Him with all of your heart. And in that open petitioning of God, He will reach inside of your life and in your heart, and He will shape the nature of your heart. It's not that He'll give you whatever you desire, it's that He'll give you the desire. He'll change your heart. We have that unfiltered, honest, heart-dumping time before him. He says, I'll shape your heart. My heart is not perfect. I find myself thinking and doing things that five minutes later I think, where did that come from? And I remember I'm trying to get my way. We do that with our families. We do that with our husbands or wives or girlfriends or boyfriends. We do that with our parents. We do that with our kids. I'm trying to get my way here. I'm trying to find fulfillment out of their action. You know what's funny? You watch a, a dad and a son doing something. I, I catch myself doing this all the time. I'll be in the middle of an activity that I've actually thought about just to spend time with the kids. A lot of times this happens when we're playing Wii. My son Lex loves to play Wii. He loves to play golf on the Wii. And we'll be spending time together, right? We're just playing Wii, right? And he has not mastered the fine art of easy. Just, you don't have to every time. So on about the tenth try, as he's hit it into the water like seven times, I start getting frustrated at it. Like, just do it the way I tell you to do it. Why? Because he's not giving me apparently what I want, which is to play the game really good. Now I set out just to spend time with him. Who cares if he scores 30 plus 30? I'm trying to find happiness in other people. God says, 
more that way. It's found in me. See, Pastor Hope's going to come. We're going to have a time of prayer together. Maybe over the course of the last three weeks, you've realized that you've got guilt in your heart. Maybe you realize you've got anger inside. Maybe last week you realized kind of greedy. All of that. Maybe you, it, what's going on in your heart hasn't to do with any of those things. Maybe you've got fear in your heart. Maybe you've got frustration or anxiety. Maybe you've got trust issues. Maybe you've got daddy or mommy issues. God says, bring all of that stuff to me. I'm not going to get mad when you don't swing it right. I just want you to know me as the source of all good things. So bring it to me. And I may say no, but know that I'm, no, I'm saying no because it's in your best interest. So this morning, I want to invite you to stand. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell. And we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.